Before we open uh, the Bible together this morning, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that we can come here to worship you, we can pray to you, that you, uh, when we meet here, you choose to meet us. You meet us exactly where we're at, you meet us in our place of need. And we thank you uh, that we can open uh, your, your word, the Bible, together. And we pray that as we do so, we would learn something more about you, something more about that your son, the Lord Jesus, and we'd be transformed into his likeness through the power of the Holy Spirit this morning. Amen. We're taking a, a pause in our series uh, on Luke this morning. We'll pick that up again in, uh, in January. Uh, next week, we're, we're pleased that um, Derek Stringer is coming to, uh, to share uh, with us before we start, dare I say it, our series in Advent as we, uh, as we do lead up to Christmas. Uh, but on this Remembrance Sunday, we thought it was important just to stop and to pause and to think about uh, remembrance and to think, as you'll see on the screen, of the sacrifice that the Lord Jesus made um, for each of, of, uh, um, uh, of us. And we're going to take a bit of a systematic approach this morning as we think about sacrifice across the Bible. We're going to start in the Old Testament, think about what Old Testament sacrifice was, what that looked like. We're going to move forward. Um, can we have the next slide, please, Matt? Thanks. To thinking about Jesus' sacrifice for us, the fact that it was foretold, the fact that Jesus' sacrifice was once for all. And then we're going to think about what our right sacrificial response should be to that. So let's, um, uh, let's think about the Old Testament first, and let's think about the Old Testament uh, um, uh, sacrifices. And hopefully some of this uh, historical and biblical information that we, that we think about in this first part uh, of, the, of the message, hopefully it all points towards Jesus, and hopefully puts the rest of the message in context uh, as well. We need to understand, in order to understand Old Testament sacrifice, that sadly we live in a fallen world. We live in a world where sin abounds, that's not the world that God intended, God uh, created, didn't he? As we read about in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, a perfect world, but a perfect world in which mankind was given a choice. Mankind uh, at that time, through Adam and Eve, chose to disobey. Uh, and we all do, don't we? I'm sure we can look back over the past week and, uh, and recognise ways in which we have sinned, in which we have fallen short uh, of the standard uh, that, uh, that is pleasing to God. Sin separated us from God. Uh, and as a response to this, uh, we can read throughout the, the first um, five books of the Bible, the, the, the Pentateuch, uh, about the law that was, uh, that was given to Moses. It was given to Moses on, uh, on Mount Sinai. I'm not going to pretend it's light reading or easy reading, but as you look through the latter part of Exodus into um, Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, uh, the laws that were given to the Israelites, God chosen, God's chosen people, are expounded there. Uh, for us. And I would encourage you, if you haven't done so, to take the time to read through that, because it does point to Jesus. And in, uh, um, in meeting Moses on uh, Mount Sinai, God and Mo uh, Moses have a, had a covenant. Covenant's a, a biblical word for, for a promise. Uh, and the promise reminded, uh, it was two-way, reminded, God reminded his people uh, of, to, of the obligation to be, to be obedient to the law, and the people, in return, agreed when they said, Exodus 19, uh, verse 8, uh, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. The covenant served to set apart uh, Israel as God's chosen people. And this covenant was different to some other covenants that we read about in the Old Testament, such as the, the covenant that God made with Abraham, uh, because um, it was conditional. It was a conditional covenant. 
based on obedience to God's law. You can read about it in Deuteronomy 28 and 29, the blessings and curses that come with this promise. But importantly, this law uh, that was given to Moses, the, uh, the Mosaic law, reveals to people their sinfulness and reveals their need for a saviour. The same is true for us today. Sometimes we can get confused in our thinking about the, uh, the Old Testament law and think that, uh, that it was the law itself uh, that saved people. The Bible is clear. Salvation comes through faith alone. And this covenant did not supersede that. As part of this, uh, this law, we read all about sacrifices and the different sacrifices that were required uh, to be made. Um, uh, and animal sacrifices, for the Israelites, animal sacrifice was a really powerful symbol, powerful symbol in the Old Testament. The animal was a substitute, symbolically dying in their place. And the word for this is atonement. Atonement is about covering someone's debt. If you turn to Isaiah chapter 1, if you've got your Bibles, it will be on the screen. Thanks. Uh, thank you, Matt. And thank you, Matt, for stepping in last minute this morning uh, doing the, the computer. I do appreciate um, appreciate that. Uh, Isaiah chapter, uh, chapter 1, starting at verse um, uh, 11. Isaiah um, is, a, is one of the prophets, one of the major prophets in the Old, uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, and, and Isaiah here is, is talking about the sacrifices the Israelites made. But the sacrifices had become meaningless because they ha- allowed evil to spread in their midst. Let's have a look at this uh, in Isaiah chapter 1. The multitude uh, of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord. I have had more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams uh, and the fat of uh, fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths and convocations. I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you uh, offer offer many prayers, I'm not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us settle in the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. We read here of the fact that God just cannot stand sin. It is detestable to him. And the Israelites, despite uh, giving so many sacrifices, are still living in a way that is not pleasing to God. There's five types of sacrifice in the Old Testament. We clearly haven't got time to unpack each of those five sacrifices in any detail. Uh, this morning there was, there was the burnt, uh, burnt offering, which was a voluntary act of worship that expressed devotion or commitment to God. There was a grain offering, which was an expression of thanksgiving. Uh, there was the peace offering, which was a sacrifice of thanksgiving, and that was always followed by a shared meal, a sin offering to atone for sin, and the trespass offering, uh, an atonement for un. Uh, unintentional uh, intentional sins. Before reading that passage uh, in Isaiah, we thought about uh, that word atonement of covering someone else's debt. 
And in, um, uh, in the Old Testament, uh, there, it's regularly um, explained the Day of Atonement. Uh, the Day of Atonement was an, uh, an annual uh, uh, event that I'm just going to explain to you briefly now. It served as a reminder of the daily, of the weekly, of the monthly sacrifices, these five types of sacrifices that were made uh, at the altar. And this one day a year, the Day of Atonement, um, atoning blood was brought into the Holy of Holies. That's the place in which God's presence dwelt in the Old Testament. And it was brought by the high priest. The high priest was a, represent, a representative of his people. And he made atonement for, and I quote now, all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions in all their sins. First it was made for the priests, as they were the priests with a mediator between God and his people Israel. The sanctuary was cleaned as well. And to prepare them for this sacrifice, the high priest uh, didn't wear his usual robes. He dressed in a simple white garment. He offered a, a bullock initially as a sin offering for himself. And then he filled his, his incense burner called a censer with coals from the altar. The high priest at that point entered into the Holy of Holies. Incense again was placed on the coals. They sent forth a cloud of smoke. The high priest took some of the blood of the bullock and sprinkled it on the ground. In this atonement was made for the priesthood. And then the priest sacrificed a male goat as a sin offering for the people. And again, the blood was taken into the Holy of Holies and sprinkled in there. And after purifying the holy place at the, at the altar, the high priest took a second goat, laid his hands on that goat's head, and that goat was then uh, sent out into the wilderness. A scapegoat, we know that phrase, don't we, was driven into the desert, where symbolically it carried away the sins of the people. The carcasses of burnt offerings, the look and the goat, were taken outside the city to be burnt, and the day continued and concluded with more sacrifices. I've rushed through that quickly. But this is what was required. One day a year, one man, the high priest, could enter the Holy of Holies where God's presence dwelt. This shows us the length the high priest had to go to in order to go enter God's presence. But access to God's presence at that point was restricted. Only the high priest only one day a year. One man, one day a year, could enter God's presence. The, 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 the animal that was, that was sacrificed in the Old Testament was unblemished, it was without defect. And it's clear in the Old Testament that death was a penalty uh, uh, for sin. So what's the point in all these old, uh, old sacrifices? They couldn't actually remove the sins of the people. It was faith in God that does, does that. They point us to Jesus. Now let's think about Jesus. Jesus' sacrifice. We're going to think about that in, in two, two, uh, two ways. And again, we're going to turn to uh, the prophet Isaiah. If you want to follow in your Bibles, we're going to uh, be reading from Isaiah um, uh, chapter 53. It will be up on the screen um, uh, as well. Uh, Isaiah, Old Testament uh, prophet who... Um, uh, who prophesied about various things, but one, uh, many of his prophecies were relating to, to Jesus. Jesus we know now to be, to be the Messiah, to be the Christ. And, uh, and prophecies in the Old Testament that spoke specifically about Jesus have the, that title of being messianic prophecies. Uh, scholars have some sort of disagreements over exactly how many uh, th uh, there were because of how they, are, how they are counted, but there's certainly over 300 messianic prophecies 
uh, in the Old Testament that were fulfilled in that man, Jesus Christ. No accident, I'm sure you'll agree. As we read uh, Isaiah chapter 53, remind yourselves, this was written 700 years before, um, uh, before um, Jesus was on earth. 700 years. If I was at school doing a reading comprehension lesson, as I will be uh, this week, I'll be, I'd be asking the children, how many, how many of these things do you think relate to Jesus? It's perhaps slightly twee, but as we read it, do just think to yourself, what does this tell me? What can I learn about the Lord Jesus from reading this uh, that was written 700 years before his birth. Isaiah 53, we're starting, uh, starting at verse 3. Again, it's on the screen if you want to follow. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? He was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great. He will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the, for the, uh, for the transgressions. Transgressors. These words written 700 years ago, there is absolutely no doubt in my mind as to who they are talking about. Jesus' sacrifice was foretold. Next slide, please. Mm -hmm. Jesus' sacrifice was once for all. When thinking about uh, the sacrifice Jesus made for each of us by dying on the cross, one of the most helpful passages we can uh, look, uh, look at is the book of Hebrews. Hebrews uh, chapter 9 and 10. Hebrews is a, a wonderful book, so rich in what it uh, teaches us. In emphasizing what we, what we thought about earlier about Old Testament sacrifice, it tells us this. The priests entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. Only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself, and the sins the people had committed in ignorance. And the writer of Hebrews continues to stress the importance of Christ's sacrifice throughout his letter. Hebrews 9 tells us this. Thank you, Matt. So Hebrews 9, if you want to turn your Bibles again, it's up on the screen if you want to follow there. Starting in chapter, uh, verse 12. He did not enter, talking about Jesus, uh, by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood 
thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. We've jumped to verse 24 now if you're following on in your Bible. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands. That was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself as, um, uh, again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place each year uh, with blood that is not his, uh, uh, not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ, who sacrificed once to take away the sins of uh, many, he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. And if we jump to chapter 10 and verse, uh, starting at verse 9 there, then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he was made perfect forever. So it has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Excuse me. What's the writer of Hebrews telling us here? Jesus didn't enter the most holy place through the blood of an animal sacrifice, but through the blood of his own sacrifice, saving us from the consequences of our sin, eternal separation from God. Through Jesus' sacrifice, we receive a glorious, eternal inheritance with God in heaven. Jesus' sacrifice was not required to be repeated annually. It was completed once for all. Whoever you are, whatever your situation, wherever uh, you find yourself this morning, Jesus' once for all sacrifice was for you. Archbishop Justin Welby reminded us, didn't he, in his wonderful sermon at the Queen's funeral, he said, we will all face the merciful judgment of God. Christ was sacrificed to take away our sins and save those who put their trust in him. When we consider sacrifices in the Old Testament, animals were used in atonement for the sins of the Israelites, God's chosen people. One commentator says there's three reasons that we need atonement. Sin is universal. We all do it. Sin is serious. God can't stand it. And we as man on our own are incapable of dealing with it. Sin is universal, sin is serious, we can't deal with it. But praise God, the Lord Jesus can. 
His death was an atoning sacrifice for all of our sins. Jesus' sacrifice broke the power of, of evil, broke the power of death, broke the power of Satan, and he lives on and offers eternal life to all who will accept it. The perfect sacrifice to whom all the Old Testament sacrifices were pointing to all along. In the Old Testament, sacrifices were temporary. In the New Testament, sacrifices are lasting and eternal. In the Old Testament, it was the involuntary blood of animals that offered these sacrifices. In the New Testament, it was the voluntary blood of God's own Son. In the Old Testament, it was repetitive, incomplete sacrifice. In the New Testament, it was the finality of Christ's death. In the Old Testament, there was an annual reminder of man's sin. In the New Testament, Christ, one once for all sacrifice, reminds us of God's will to forget it. In the Old Testament, the priest stood to serve in the New Testament. The high priest, the Lord Jesus, sits at the right hand of God in heaven. The Old Testament is an incomplete ministry. In the New Testament, we learn of Christ's finished work. Many of you who, who know me know that uh, I've got an, uh, an older sister and a younger brother uh, as well. Perhaps what many of you uh, don't know is that, uh, that I also had um, uh, an older brother who was born on uh, February the 10th, 1984. As soon as he were, was born, Matthew uh, was, was whisked away from, uh, from my parents. He was their, their first son, as there was clearly something really seriously wrong with him. Matthew had uh, what was called Potter's Syndrome, which um, meant that he couldn't survive. Uh, he lasted 10 hours, and my parents were able uh, to spend some really precious times with him. Excuse me. My dad often, often says the hardest thing, he, he also lost his, his mum when he was just 13, the hardest thing he's ever done was uh, going to the registry office to register the birth and death of his first son at the same time. But there was nothing anyone could do. It was something that Matthew was born with. But let's compare that to what our Heavenly Father has done. He willingly sent his own son, the Lord Jesus, to die in our place. It was his choice, his only son. John tells us, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. And Paul tells us in Romans, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for, it, for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What's our response to this? Then we've spent time considering the Old Testament sacrificial system and law, and gr gloriously, Jesus Christ, once for all, sacrificed for us, dying on the cross. What should our response be to this? Well, if you're not a Christian yet, can I urge you to uh, delve into the claims of Jesus and take them seriously? Craig, our pastor, so helpfully last week outlined for us what it, the truth at the heart of the Christian message. There's no middle ground. It's black and white. And if that's you this morning, let today be the day that you realise you've fallen short of God's glorious standard. Let today be the day that you accept that you need a saviour. 
Let today be the day that you accept that Jesus Christ is the only way to be made right with God. Let today be the day you accept Jesus Christ's sacrifice is for you. Let today be your remembrance day, the day you remember forever, that day that you submitted your life to the Lord Jesus. Wonderfully, someone did that in this building last week. We praise God for that. If that's you this morning, I'd love to chat to you afterwards. I'd love to pray with you. The prayer area is available as well. Come and chat to Craig, our pastor. He'd be delighted to pray with you. Many, I know, have already made that decision to follow Jesus. It's only right, isn't it, that our response is also sacrificial when we remind ourselves of what the Lord Jesus has done for us. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus says the following. Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The passage in uh, Hebrews that we've read together this morning, Hebrews 10, continues uh, and talks about how we as Christians should be sacrificially submitted to the Lord Jesus. We're not going to read it all this morning. What does it encourage us? It encourages us as Christians to draw near to God encourages us as Christians to hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, encourages us as Christians to spur one another on in love and good deeds, It encourages us as Christians to not give up meeting together. In Romans, Paul challenges us, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We thought this morning, haven't we, about the sacrifice in the, uh, that um, was uh, um, made clear in the Old Testament we thought about Jesus' sacrifice, how it was told, uh, foretold 700 years before, he was, uh, before his birth, how that sacrifice was once for all for the forgiveness of our sins. And we thought about what our sacrificial response should be to that. One of the things that um, uh, Jesus himself tells us to do is remember his sacrifice by sharing in communion together and that's what we're going to do together this morning before we do that let's pray heavenly father we thank you for your son the lord jesus we thank you for the sacrifice that he made for each one of us we thank you that his sacrifice was foretold and we thank you that his sacrifice was once for all for the forgiveness of sins We do pray if there's anybody here who hasn't yet uh, committed their life to following you, isn't yet aware of their their sin, isn't yet aware of their need for a saviour, that you would meet them in that place this morning, knowing that they stand forgiven because of what you have done through your Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen.